Well, today was undoubtedly one of the most beautiful days we've had in this early year so far. Everybody took advantage of the opportunity, most people did, to get outside and just kind of hang loose. So I can't think of a better day to talk about temptation. It's almost as if providentially Scripture knew where our minds and hearts would be. I had a religion teacher in grade school, one of the sisters, and she used to say that on the first warm day of the year, the devil makes time and a half. Most of our dads worked in the steel mills in Indiana, so I guess she just took it for granted a bunch of third graders knew what time and a half meant. But that idea of temptation, we certainly think about it during Lent, and rightly so. But I'd like to suggest that the way we often talk about it maybe explains why a lot of times we don't seem to make a lot of progress, at least with the certain sins that we're always struggling with time and again. And I'm not going to say that we can easily just do away with those things. But I would say we don't always perhaps recognize just exactly what underlies the temptations. And you see it so powerfully in the gospel tonight. And what I'm getting at here is identity, the connection between temptation and identity. What you're tempted to do with its relationship to who you are, or more importantly, who you see yourself as, and how other people see you. Now let's think about it for a minute. Here's Jesus, he's just beginning his public ministry, and the devil comes along. There's not a whole lot of history to build on here. So what is it that he does? His only job is to somehow tempt Jesus into sin. That's the only reason he's there. He could say anything out of everything that he could say, out of every temptation he could possibly come up with. Yes, we focus on the ones, oh, it's a temptation to food, it's a temptation to power, it's a temptation to glory and honor, and we can recognize in our humanity that, yeah, those are things we get tempted with. But I'd like to suggest the real power in his temptation is how he begins at least two out of those three. If you are the Son of God. It's not just about use your superpower to turn this bread or turn these rocks into bread or use the angels you have at your beck and call to make sure you never suffer. It's about who are you, Jesus? And are you really who you think you are? And why would Jesus think that's who he is? Well, I'm sure Mary and Joseph shared that with him over his first 30 years. But much more immediately than that, just before Jesus goes out into the desert, of course, he's been baptized. And in every one of the baptism scenes, we're told Jesus hears from the Father, you are my beloved son. I hope that for those of us here who are sons, We were blessed to hear that from our fathers, but I won't assume that was necessarily the case. And the women here that you heard that as a beloved daughter, but if you are blessed to hear it, what a powerful affirmation Jesus heard at the very beginning, you are my beloved son. Out of everything the father could have said to him, he doesn't give him a pep talk, he doesn't give him any pointers for his ministry, he doesn't tell him where he should go, He just says, out of everything I want you to know, I want you to know this. Not just that you're my son, but you're my beloved son. And that's what's ringing in Jesus' ear. 
Now, yes, almost immediately he's out into the desert. You might say, well, that doesn't sound like the friendliest place to send him. But if he's going to be like us in all things but sin, he better learn what the desert looks like, right? It doesn't take too long in life before you start dealing with your deserts. But what he carried with him in the desert, it wasn't bread, it wasn't power, it wasn't safety. What he carried with him was that rock-solid identity. You are my beloved son. And so that's exactly where the devil wants to go with his temptation. If you are the son of God. Because if you can't do these things, or if you choose not to do them, or if you don't ask your father for help with them, then don't try to tell me you are who you think you are. And in that first reading as well, same idea. That's why the church gave it to us. It's Moses telling the people, when you go to offer your sacrifice at the temple, just pause for a minute and remind yourself how you got here. Our father was a wandering Aramean. Who's that? That's Abraham he's talking about. And he's saying, we're here, Lord, because we were your chosen people for generation after generation. And that's what you say before you put your offering at the temple. I know it would take forever, but what if every time we came up for communion, each person just paused and said, here's the story of how I got here. Take that up with Father Trout. I'm not making any suggestions. But at least in our hearts, right? As you're coming up, I'm often distracted. I'll be brutally honest. But what a beautiful thing just to reflect on as you walk down the aisle. How did I get here? Who shaped and set my identity for me? Because oftentimes, that's where our temptations go to work. I know we don't often connect the two, but try it sometime. Take that sin that just stubbornly hangs around you. And as you've heard me say before, don't focus on the sin so much, but focus on the temptation. If it's a temptation to act boastfully, if it's a temptation to belittle other people, A lot of times it's rooted in an identity that doesn't value itself very much. We know how that works. If it's a temptation to steal or cheat, a lot of times that's rooted in an identity that says, I didn't get what I deserved. Or everybody else seems to get more. Those identities get set very early in our lives. And I'm not trying to play counselor, I don't have those skills. But I guarantee you that same dynamic works in the spiritual life. And one of the most valuable things we can do is simply reflect on our identity and trust the Lord and to trust good friends to help us expose the lies that are there. This is how you see yourself. But let me help you see who you truly are. And most importantly, who are you in God's eyes? And if you've never prayed that way, I just offer it as a suggestion little spiritual exercise in this first week of Lent. Lord, I want to see myself as you see me. Not just beloved son or daughter, that's a given. But Lord, I see myself this way. The one who wasn't good enough. The one who wasn't smart enough. The one who didn't show up at the right time in the right place. Lord, I've never seen myself as much better than that. Who do you see me as? And force him to tell you this is who you are at that moment, at that time, when you thought it wasn't enough. All that the Father wanted Jesus to hear is one thing. 
This is your true identity, my son. And the devil, with all his power, couldn't even come close to weakening that identity.